in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. This is a challenging passage. Maybe not so challenging to read as it is to implement or apply. And so Paul is going to take here, and we'll read in just a few moments, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's going to use the analogy of a body and the relationship that we have one with another and that we have with our head, Jesus Christ. And we understand that. We understand that, that imagery that he presents to us. And so here he's going to help us see that. Thinking about that, I wonder sometimes if when we think about the local church and the purpose of the local church, if we don't come away with a mindset sometimes that, well, it's kind of like the Lions Club or the Rotary Club or Optimus Clubs or Kiwanis. And so what we do is we measure people that are faithful. And to be faithful in one of those, you have to attend most of the meetings and you have to be current to pay your dues. And so if we're not careful, what we do is we transfer that over to say, well, is so-and-so faithful? Well, they attend most of the time. Do they pay their dues? Well, we don't know because we don't know how much anyone contributes. So we don't know whether they pay their dues or not. But if they're here most of the time and they pay their dues, then they therefore can be considered faithful members of a local fellowship of people like this. And so what we do is we treat the local church as something that is optional. We can take it or we can leave it. We can take the Kiwanis Club, the Rotary Club, etc. We can take it or we can leave it. It's not really a requirement of life to be a part of the Lions Club, and therefore it really is not a requirement for us to be part of a local congregation and interactive in that congregation. When the kids were home, and they would come in, I never had to ask them, did you leave your right arm behind? Did you lose your left leg? No, I never had to ask them that because it was attached. It was something that, that was dependent upon them functioning complete and whole. I think there's something for us to consider when we think about this imagery of the body and our relationship one with another. And three simple things I want to share with this morning. I really want to try to keep them simple for us to kind of contemplate some things this morning. And the first one is, we are mutually dependent on one another. We are mutually dependent on one another. And that's what Paul's trying to get us to see. When I was younger and I played pickup basketball, I was able to be ambidextrous. I could shoot with my right hand, I could dribble with my right hand, I could dribble with my left hand, and I could shoot with my left hand. But that is the only thing in life to say one other thing that I could do in which I was not right-hand dominant. The only other thing I could do that was left-hand dominant was ride a bull. That didn't last very long, so it didn't have to exercise much effort in doing so. But right-hand dominant, there's no, no chance of me being left-hand dominant. My right hand is a dominant feature, and so when I have that right hand, I appreciate the relationship that right hand has to how I function. 
and I'm not careful, I forget the importance of the left hand and how the left hand functions. And so what Paul is trying to help us see here is we need both parts. We are dependent on both parts, right hand and left hand, in order to be able to function as a body, as our bodies are to function. And so when we come and we hear people say, well, I really don't need the church. Well, that's different than what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, I need that. It's kind of like saying, okay, you can be a child without a family. Now, I know we have orphans, but that's not the Lord. So we have child without a family. We, don't, we understand that doesn't work. I can be a lamb without a flock. We understand if there's a lamb, there's going to be a flock. If we're not careful, what we do is we allow our, our independent Americanism to spill over to our own American independence and lose our dependence when we come to Christ and our relationship with one another. And so Paul says we are members one of another. We are dependent on one another. That means something then. What that means is then that we have a relationship together. If we're dependent as the right hand has a relationship with the left hand and vice versa, that means we have a relationship together. And the, the intention of that is to be reciprocal. It's not, it's not intended to be one way. And what that means then is, is that we have a fellowship. That word fellowship is a, is a powerful word. It's a strong word. It presents a strong imagery. The word fellowship means we are partners. We share in and we share part of. We participate together in something. You don't have a fellowship with just one person. A fellowship is a share in something. Now, it could be a fellowship in the cancer society, in the heart society. That's a fellowship of people that are sharing in a heart society and gathering funds for that. But here we are talking about an in Christ relationship. People who have come to be in Christ and in Christ share something together. You know what it is to share. You know, when you realize you first get that first birthday present. And the other people at the birthday party want to play with your present. And your mother tells you, you need to share. And you don't want to share because that's your gift. And what the other kids need to understand is, they need to share and let you enjoy your gift first. But we have a share in something. We're not stingy with one another. That means in that relationship together that we are challenged with something. And that is to understand one another. Because we are not clones. We are not clones. We are different. And that means then we are brought to bear with one another. In Galatians chapter 5, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul paints this picture, I think, that is so powerful to how this is accomplished. And so he will begin in verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Paul will say the answer to strife is to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And you bear the fruit of the Spirit when, as Jesse spoke of, in a good way at 9 o'clock, we have crucified that carnal man. We have put to death that carnal man, and Christ is living in us. That fellowship is not a me-ship. That fellowship is not a you-ship. That fellowship is a fellowship. And that fellowship has something greater in relationship than whether you have your picture on the board in the hallway or not. Or whether your name is on the directory or on congregate or not. Paul understood the need for that. When he came to Jerusalem, he wanted to join the saints in Jerusalem because he knew he needed to be there even though he was going to be coming in and going out. He knew there was a relationship he needed there. If we think the extent of our participation in a local church is that I have my, my picture on the board and my name in the directory, therefore I'm certified, and therefore I have my membership card stamped, and I am good, we have missed that. And then what we need to do is do away with the board and delete congregate. Because if that's all we think of, when we think of being members one of another, and that's all we think of is if we are faithful, have we attended most of the meetings or not, then we need to do away with the picture board and congregate. Because they have nothing to do with what Paul's talking about here. They do have something to do with how we help identify each other, but that's the limit of it. Paul is saying, we are mutually dependent upon one another. The second thing that I want you to see that he says is that we share a mutual dependence. Turn to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Back to Romans chapter 12 and this time verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to be sober, to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, first of all, that passage says, don't think too highly of yourself. To do that, you must first think highly of yourself. But then he says, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't have an overestimation of yourself. You need to have a high estimation of yourself, but be careful it's not an exceedingly high estimation of yourself. And they talked about something, a full measure that God has given. There are many functions in a fellowship. But there's only one role. Servant. Evangelist is a function. Shepherd is a function. 
Teacher is a function. Deacon is a function. Soul leader is a function. There are many functions, but there's only one role, and that is servant. We are mutually equal in how we serve one another. We are mutually equal in how we serve each other. But here's the challenge with that. We're mutually equal in how we serve one another, but we're different. We're different. In all likelihood, if it were not for a fellowship like this, there would be many of us who would not rub elbows with each other in anything that had to do with life under the sun in any other sphere whatsoever. I am not on the same intellectual level as some of, these, as some of you are. I have no appreciation for being a mathematical genius except to appreciate someone can be a mathematical genius. But Anthony Peterson is a mathematical genius. There's no need for me to be in his class at Collin County. I can get the first word, the first letter of calculus right. That's it. But we have a fellowship with each other because of our commonality in Christ. I might have longed, I might have longed when I was in ag and I was going to college to be an ag teacher. I might have longed in my dream of dreams to be a veterinarian. But organic, organic chemistry killed that. There was never a chance for me to be a doctor either. I can't be an accountant. I can't be an engineer. We have accountants, we have engineers, we have doctors. We have, I could have been a lawyer. I could have done that. Because a lawyer gets to read and talk a lot. I can do both of those. Do you see what we have here? We have an arboretist. I can't do what Walt does. We need a tree trim. Jody said, don't you trim it. You call Walt. You let him do it. She doesn't trust me with the tree. She trusts Walt. We're not alike. We don't share the same educational level. Some may not have graduated high school. Some didn't go to college. Some have a master's. Some have a, a PhD. Some of us have a PhD from the University of Hard Knocks. We're different from each other. But what has called us together? The gospel. And when the gospel calls us together, please get it. It's no longer me. Now it's weak. Now it's weak. We share a mutual equality. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that brings us to the third thing I want us to think about this morning. Beginning in verse 12. We have a mutual harmony. Whereas the body is one, has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we're all baptized in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, 
Slaves are free and have all been made to drink of the same spirit. And then drop down to verse 25, verse 2022. No, no, no much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, but those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on those who bestow greater honor. In our unpresentable parts, we grab greater modesty, but our presentable parts have, uh, have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. You see, the body was designed, if we go back to equality just a moment, the body was designed for every member to function equally together. There, there, there really are no vestigial organs. I know we say we can do it without, without a few things. Last year, when I had my cataract surgery done on both eyes, I asked my ophthalmologist, I said, is this going to be, is this going to work as good as it first did? He said, nothing is as good as the equipment God gave you. And while I can do without glasses now, it's still not as good as what it was of the equipment God gave. I know we can say we can do without an appendix, and I know we say we can do without a gallbladder, and there's some things we can't do without, but listen, those of you who have had your gallbladder removed, you understand, you don't work as well as you did when you had your gallbladder and it was functioning properly. Why? Because there's something necessary to it. There's something each part shares. But that brings something else. And when she talks about this body, and that is, there's harmony in the body. When you think about the physical body and there's not harmony, what do you call that? We call that sick. You call it a disease. There's something that has invaded and now no longer is the body in harmony with itself. Now it's fighting against itself. It's not all pulling together. It's interesting that when you come to marriage, you bring two people to a relationship to be married. They come from different backgrounds as far as families go, maybe different backgrounds spiritually, maybe different backgrounds economically. For certain different backgrounds, personality-wise and disposition-wise. And the official stands and says, and the two shall be one. And the day after the honeymoon's over, they think he's crazy. There's no way two are ever going to be one. It doesn't mean that both agree on everything. What it means is the two have become one because they had decided to pull in the same direction together. I think about this fellowship of people. I know there are differences that are, 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 are among us. I well realize that there are differences that some people have with some things that I preach. But there's one thing we're committed to. And that is to all pull in the same direction. Paul says... You have this body, and it is to function with harmony. 
that requires forbearance, that requires long-suffering, that requires me being like Jesus, who is kind and tenderhearted and forgiving, and that's how we are to be with one another. That means that we not only are like Jesus, we let the world see that in us because we are the eyes and ears. We are the living flesh and blood that people see Jesus when they see us. And if they see us pulling against one another as opposed to all pulling in the same direction with one another, they're going to ask, where is Jesus in that? There's a mutual dependence and a mutual equality and a mutual harmony. Now, all of that's the illustration. Here's the point. We are so blessed in this local church. And we welcome in this fellowship of people. People who are in Christ that want to come and be one with us, and pull in the same direction with us. But some of us have been here a long time. And some haven't been here so long. And we have been so blessed and so fortunate to have a, a flood of new people come and be part of this fellowship. There's something here that people want to come and be part of. But it takes a while to assimilate everybody into one. It doesn't happen overnight. Those of us who have been here for a while, we know those of us who have been here for a while. That was brilliant, wasn't it? But we don't know so much those who have come in. But you know what? Those who have come in recently don't know us who have been here for a while. And so what if I do is say, you know, this church is just getting too big. I never knew the Lord put a limit on a local church. He never limited the size of Jerusalem. At times, it was over 5,000. He never limited the size. But if we who are older don't recognize the need in dependence, equality, and harmony for people who have come in who are newer, then we're missing something in this fellowship. And people who are newer don't realize the need for dependency, harmony, and equality of those who are here, then you're missing something that offers stability to your life with people who've been here for a while. Those who've been here for a while, please don't say this. We just got so many new people, I don't know any of them. And I don't want to be mean about this. But when we've said that, we have just self-indicted ourselves. Because what that meant was, I came and I sat as a body, as one among many, not making myself a part of others, sat in a pew. When the door was open, I left. I didn't take the time to go up and meet and talk to anybody that was new. And I hope it would be that if someone new came into our fellowship, after six weeks of being here, they would not say, well, nobody has talked to us and nobody has invited us over. Nobody has done anything with us. 
Therefore, this just isn't a friendly church. But there's another option if you're new. Because that's kind of self-indicting. The other option is, you don't come and sit in the pew and then leave. You come and you go up and talk to someone who's been here for a while. You see, I do have a responsibility as your brother. I have a responsibility to get to know you. I can't be dependent on you if I don't know you. I can't share equally with you if I don't know you. I can't be in harmony with you if I don't know you. I have that responsibility to do that. But so do you have that responsibility to do that? That's how the body functions. That's why my right hand needs my left hand. Because there's some things my right hand can do, my left hand can't, and some things I need my left hand to do because my right hand needs help. And what that means is we all have a place. We all have a place to belong. There should be no one who feels like they don't have a place to belong if we're going to share in a fellowship, if we're going to be partners together. Does that mean we'll always agree? Does that mean we won't butt heads? Time? That means sometimes we'll disagree and sometimes we may butt heads. And sometimes we may need the fruit of the Spirit to oil our scouts so we don't bludgeon one another against while we're, while we're butting heads. Some of us are strong temperament. Some are soft temperament like me. <laughs> and for those who are strong temperament, to those who are soft temperament, we need to make sure that our strong temperament doesn't turn the soft temperament away. So you need to be more careful with me because I'm hurt. You get what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, we are so blessed here. We are so very blessed in this church. We have seven outstanding shepherds. We have now 26 deacons. We have over 100 Bible class teachers. And we have people who are doing things with the right hand that don't know the left hand is doing them. The left hand doesn't know they're doing them. There are people here giving money to people. There are people who are serving people. There are people helping people that nobody ever knows about because they don't advertise it. They don't put it on Facebook. What they're doing is they're helping somebody. So here's the challenge of a fellowship. A fellowship says we're going to be partners together. And what that means is, what that means is, stand up, Joe. What that means is, stand up, Leon. What that means is we're going to lock arms together. And we're going to walk in the same direction. Can we do that? There's something precious and special about being God's people. And I am an apologist for the Campbell Road Church. I acknowledge that. I'm biased. 
I'm not saying we're perfect in any way. Because if you were, I'd mess up the thing because I'm not. But it sure ought to be with our imperfections that what we're striving to do is be dependent on each other, share equally, and have harmony with one another. Older people, you need to be here. Newer people, you need to be here. Newer people, you need to be a part here. Older people, you need to be a part here. And when you're a part and I'm a part, then we're all sharing in the part. You get that? That's what this is all about. That's what a fellowship of people is all about. We lock arms together. We have people who have come together in Christ. The gospel calls from every corner of the world, every corner of the metroplex, every corner of which we've ever come. The gospel has called us out of sin into light, out of darkness into light. So we can have the Lord and have one another. You know what I believe? I believe we can and I believe we will do that. And the reason I say that is because I wholeheartedly believe in every one of you. <laughs> so let's just enjoy the sharing of mutual dependence, a mutual equality, and a mutual harmony. If you need to be in Christ this morning, the baptistry hadn't changed. You can still be baptized for mission of your sins and be added to, added to the Lord's church and join yourself to this fellowship of people. The Lord wants you. And we'd love to have you. If we can help you come while we stand and while we sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.